0: The Science Basement. Hello! Welcome to the 14th episode of the Science Basement podcast. Which is also a very special episode. Yes. Why, Stephanie? Because we're going to interview my colleague. So, finally, um, I'll get to talk a little bit about what I do. And she is amazing, so I'm really happy that she's here to talk about aerosols and atmospheric science. Finally, aerosols! We will learn yes. more! So, yes. w- w- who is the, the guest? Um, our guest is uh, Lubna Dada, PhD student at the University of Helsinki Institute for Atmospheric and Earth System Research. She is working on um, looking at how particles are formed in the air, looking at real data, but she's also working at CERN, looking at very specific conditions in uh, chamber studies. So welcome, Lubna. Welcome. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me here.
1: Do you want to tell us a bit about your research in very general very way? In general, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I am basically working in different parts of the world. So I started working on uh, some kind of semi-pristine environments, which is uh, southern Finland in Smir 2 station, about 60 kilometers from Tampere. And it's a very clean environment where there is no effect of human pollution. So it acts like a background of uh, forests in the northern hemisphere. And then... Later, I started to do some chamber experiments at CERN in Geneva, Switzerland, which is a very cool physics lab where we kind of bring these atmospheric stuff and put them in a chamber and then see how things change when we change some conditions like temperature and relative humidity. And uh, last but not least, I joined a campaign or uh, the campaign that is the beginning of a continuous measurement in Beijing, China, and that was. uh, I would say a breakthrough in my bubble of science and kind of places that I would visit for science around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Yeah. So you have been studying basically two very different conditions for air, like pollution, like this place uh, close to Tampere, which is like, which has a very uh, good air quality, and then yeah. compared to China, which is uh, definitely a different condition with the yeah. air quality. So, differences?
2: Uh, It it is a big difference. Uh, The difference is so big that you can see it by your naked eye. So basically in Hüthiäla or in in Finland, the air quality is very clean. So what you smell mostly is uh, pine smell and these emissions from trees and and so on in in spring and summer mainly. While in in Beijing, you can smell things different from boiled... uh, food to kind of burnt oil and and uh emissions from cars and diesel and and stuff like that Um, uh, other stuff are like also the working environments are different and uh, what you see in the results is is also very very different
0: so you're looking at air quality but what is it exactly that you're looking at so what is your data like
2: yeah so i look at uh, basically everything that is less than three nanometer in size to how they grow when they are something like cloud droplets and even how they are affected by particles that are seen by naked eye or even a bit smaller, let's say.
0: So what what is an example of a particle that you can see? It would be, I
2: I would say, the, the diameter of a particle that you could see is something around the thin hair, like... The thinness of the hair these are the very big particles or sometimes you are able to see if it's like a, a big uh, bulb or how do you call it a big circle of, of pollen that is emitted from a flower or something like that these are the kind of the visi- visible particles but imagine if we're working with something that is um, 100 times or even 1000 times smaller than that
0: Yeah, I heard somewhere that a nanometer, (coughs) because you said you work with sub-three nanometers. Mm -hmm. So one nanometer to a meter would be like looking at an apple compared to the size of the earth. Exactly. So that small. Yeah. That that small stuff that you're looking at.
2: Yes. That's that's cool. So also these particles are the ones that very rarely you are able to see under a microscope even. So we work with them kind of based on models, based on um, theory and, and so on to kind of imagine what is their properties in terms of shape and, and form and, and stuff like that.
1: So which kind of instruments are you using to to detect uh, these particles and to me- measure our quality?
2: Okay, since like these particles are very, very small, we, we rely on instruments that grow the particles and then start to count them. So we use uh, very recent instruments developed by at the University of Helsinki and now are kind of... Uh, uh, manufactured by Ermodus, which is also a Finnish company, and they are called the particle size magnifier, and they are instruments that kind of grow particles that pass through them, and then we count them with a CPC or a uh, condensation particle counter. And um, these instruments work by counting particle particle. I mean particle by particle. Uh, present in the atmosphere or in a chamber or something like that. And then we use other kind of uh, differential mobility analyzers uh, based instruments, which kind of give us uh, an estimation about the number concentration of particles in the atmosphere at different sizes, up to 1000 nanometer or one micrometer.
1: So the differentiation you make uh, between different particles is about the particle size, not the species, right? Yes.
0: Okay. So that's actually one of the challenges that we don't know what they are, just how many and, and how what big size. they are. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, and like what you were talking about the shape, so we don't actually know what the shape is, and there's a lot of assumptions that you have to take, like perfectly spherical. You know the typical physical <laughs> physics equations of yes, perfectly spherical. Uh, but actually, you do you have done some uh, photographs of, of yes. particles in your previous degree. Yeah, but
2: these are like the bigger particles that are, for example, uh, sand. Uh, related to dust coming from uh, deserts and dust coming from uh, massive air pollution episodes. So you kind of, when you are in a polluted environment and you look to the horizon of the sea, you usually see a kind of plume that is colored with red or or yellow or black. And uh, during my master's degree, actually, I learned what, by the difference of the color that I see, I learned what is the difference of uh, dust that is there.
0: So what differences would you find?
2: So when it's black it's mainly pollution occurring locally and when it's uh, yellow it's kind of uh, Saharan dust because I come from uh, the Middle East in Lebanon and then we kind of have episodes of dust coming from uh, Sahara and then desert uh, desert episodes coming from the Arabic desert so it's red in color because it's full of iron. So if the horizon looks a bit reddish to orange, then it's mostly coming from the east side and it's from the Arabic desert. But when it's yellow in color, then it's the Saharan desert, which also affects so many European countries.
1: Mm-mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. When was it like kind of um, recently that there was some, some big storm come and the yeah. the, um, the sand from Sahara was coming up to the UK? Yes. Uh, this like was it.
2: somewhere in March. Yes. And uh, it is very interesting because you can see it's very warm and then uh, all the cars become yellow the next day when it rains. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's a big
0: health issue, right? Yeah. Because it, hurt, it affects your lungs.
2: Well, this is a health issue that we cannot control. Yeah, Even if sure. we do some policy making, we cannot kind of control these emissions. But we are kind of trying by our analysis to conquer other sources of pollution. Mm-hmm. Like what? So, So, for example, in China, it is known that uh, cooking or deep frying causes a lot of uh, pollution because of the things that are emitted. And actually, very recently, I saw a study that differentiates between whether you are deep frying meat or deep frying non-meat products and so on. And the difference is already huge. So imagine if we can cut down a little bit of these uh, things because it doesn't only affect uh, air pollution, it also affects human. Uh, inside pollution let's say or (laughs) cholesterol levels and so on oh
0: that's interesting it is
2: actually very interesting so uh, scientists around the world are like trying to dig in the the very 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 small fraction of things that are emitted and uh, I learned also when I was in Beijing that they have these uh, uh, how do I call them like restrictions like for example during the heating season which is during winter in general, some construction or major construction is not allowed so that they are able to balance between the emissions due to uh, heating and the emissions due to construction work mm-hmm. and so on. So on May, on May on March 15, you can see a difference already in kind of the pollution levels because on May, March 15 was the day where they turned off the uh, heating and then you started seeing some different trends in the diameters of the pollutants that you see, and you know that these are coming from construction sites or kind of different uh, emissions. Uh, There have been also studies that show that uh, there is differences in workdays and weekends. So there has been studies, uh, for example, in Jordan and in Saudi Arabia, which show the differences in workday and weekend pollution levels. And then we knew that... uh, the emissions from the cars are the things that are mostly affecting these, and that's why there is uh, policy making all, almost everywhere in the world where they measure that uh, a certain number of cars is allowed to move in in one day, so that they kind of try to minimize uh, air pollution in a way or another. And
1: so what do we, what you use for for measuring air quality is this chamber that you told me about uh, that grows uh, that grows the particles and then counts them right Yeah, uh, the instrument yes yes uh, so after we have counted uh, particles how do you determine the air quality so how do you know if these are bad particles or if if they are just coming from plants and so yes. and so and so are not dangerous for us you know
2: uh, I wouldn't say that the, the particles that are emitted from plants are not dangerous oh, okay. for us. That's, that's, that's an interesting question. <laughs> yes, okay, because do you know how many people have seasonal allergies? Oh yeah, that's true. That's so true. it doesn't matter actually where the the, the the initial kind of particle is coming from because even if it's a particle coming from somewhere else, these plant stuff are able to also uh, condense on top of, of the particle and make it grow to become a cloud. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that there is a kind of good and bad unless you're talking about kind of cloud cover. So if it is a, if it is particles that come from uh, plant sources, then there is an, a huge emission of those and then it ends up with a white cloud which kind of reflects radiation. But if it's coming from sources like cars and other pollutants and it's a black kind of uh, particle and then it absorbs the the radiation and that's what causes uh, global warming or or stuff like that so in general depends whether you want more clouds or you want more radiation and so on it, it depends on the number of these particles and not only
0: where they are coming from but that's also a complicated thing right because there are particles that are directly emitted as particles like like the pollen and so on then they're the ones that are formed which are the tricky ones because we have to know what we need to form them and not just because they're natural sources, does it mean that they're healthy for you? Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's the thing of, they're the ones that are warming like black carbon, but then most of the aerosols are actually cooling the planet, which is the interesting part as well, because we're hearing about global warming, but aerosols cool mostly or mainly are cooling the planet. So we have this offset or balancing of of the warming, it's the aerosols are cooling, and it could be as big an effect as the warming of the greenhouse gases. Mm -hmm. So we could be even in deeper trouble because of the greenhouse gases. Just we don't notice it because the aerosols are cooling, and that's the thing. Like, do we want to control air pollution, but then our temperature is going to go up because the greenhouse gases will have a bigger effect. So you reduce the cooling of aerosols to make air quality better, but then um, you're reducing the offsetting cooling effect. Oh, Oh. yeah. So this is a really that's why aerosols uh, is so, so such an important thing to study and to try to understand what the sources are how many are they formed where are they formed and we actually see that they're formed everywhere Yeah, I mean even in the cleanest environments like Antarctica you would think there's nothing there they're actually formed there as well yeah yeah but if you stop emissions don't you
1: also reduce the greenhouse effects so I mean you don't have aerosols but also you reduce greenhouse effect because you are emitting
0: less yeah but then for example I think a lot of greenhouse comes from agriculture for example and mm, that's like, like methane and that would mm. be vehicles so that's uh, yeah, uh, Yeah, I think methane, I think like nitrogen sources are a big thing that are not being right now regulated as much, and they should be. Because, um, mm-hmm. there, but, yeah, this is a
1: very interesting and complicated issue. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, and our, our focus in, in the division here is usually on the secondary formation, so the particles that are not emitted as particles but are com- emitted as gases and then they are transformed into
0: particles. And yeah. you mentioned also that they go into clouds, so can you talk a little bit like how they are formed, and how they end up as clouds.
2: Okay. So, in general, there is a kind of fight between sink and um, sources of particles in the atmosphere. Let's talk only about the secondary uh, particle formation, which is known worldwide as new particle formation. So these are like particles that do not exist as particles in the air, but they are gases which are emitted from different sources, sources, for example, plants or trees. They emit something like alpha-pinene, let's say, and then uh, other sources like, uh, let's say, heating sources emit something like uh, sulfur dioxide and then uh, sulfur dioxide. And then all of these kind of under sunshine, they are oxidized, they become heavy. And then, whenever they, are, they they are heavy, they kind of fight between they want to coagulate together and so form a bigger particle or they want to kind of uh sink and and be lost uh to the ground by gravitational forces and then once these uh, come together and they are heavy enough, more and more particles are more and more gases are sticking on this nucleus that is formed from Uh, the gases that already were oxidized and form a cluster and then the more they are the more stable it becomes and it starts kind of condensing gases start to uh, add up so that it grows and grows and grows until it forms what is known as a cloud condensation nucleus which is the seed of a cloud so one cloud cannot be for a cloud cannot be formed without an aerosol and uh Yes, that's the,
0: the growth process usually in the atmosphere. And why is that? So in CERN, you're, you're doing experiment, and it's actually called the CLOUD experiment.
2: Yes, it is called the CLOUD experiment, but it uh, it's just an acronym for Cosmic leaving Outdoor Droplets. And uh, it is a very, very cool experiment. It's actually a huge chamber, which is 26 uh, meter cubed. And uh, it is round, it is very clean, it is very controlled. Uh, we usually wash it with uh, ultra pure water and increase the temperature to one hundred degrees to remove any contaminant in there. And what we actually do in the chamber is that we bring these gases that we have in the atmosphere, and we think that they are the gases that are producing secondary particles. We put them in the chamber, add an oxidant which is usually ozone and is plenty, uh, vi- like plentifully present present in the in the atmosphere. We turn on the light, which is. Uh, Similar to the radio wavelength of the sunlight, and uh, uh, we also put some galactic cosmic rays in there and kind of simulate what's happening in the atmosphere. And we observe new particle formation from gases that we never thought that they are able to kind of form particles on their own. But they do. Yes, they do, and uh, it is interesting that this uh, kind of chamber experiments because you can just bring kind of gases that are in different places around the world and simulate them all in one place. So not at the same time, but for example, we are able to simulate the Arctic, Antarctic, polluted areas, non-polluted areas, pristine environments. And we kind of also try to simulate a pre-industrial era and post-industrial so that we kind of understand the difference and how much uh, has changed. So based on models from like... uh, how much this new particle formation or the secondary particles, they are formed. Uh, Based on models, we can understand how much clouds there were before the pre-industrial revolution and after it, and kind of understand how many uh, aerosols there was, how many clouds there was, and what was the balance between this aerosol cloud and uh, emissions that uh, Stephanie was just telling you about, and try to understand what caused this kind of climate change or global warming.
1: Which one has been the least polluted uh, environment you've worked uh, on in this in this experiment? Yeah,
2: I uh, actually worked on uh, only pure biogenic. So I would say that these are the particles that are formed uh, least from kind of these pure biogenic gases. And they are the least that grow. So they can grow, but they take much longer time and much longer, much more ga- like much more... Uh, gas or much more reactants to kind of grow and form in comparison to, for example, uh, urban places where we put like benzene and, and stuff like mm. that. And then it's just very fast and they grow very big. And I think these are kind of different
0: in, in a way or another. Benzene is like used in the oil. Uh, uh,
2: the oil and the carb. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now you've told us how,
1: how this experiment works, but now I'm stealing one uh, question that has been one of the questions that Stephanie has been asking a lot to our guests uh, lately. Uh, when you're not doing the experiment, so when you're at work here in, the, in Helsinki, how does your day look like?
2: Okay, so... Uh... Do you want to talk about the first year I was here or <laughs> the last year I was here? Like the very recently. Yeah, very now. The very okay. Now. So uh, basically now that I uh, kind of work on very different uh, projects at the same time with very different people, uh, I kind of uh, try to focus on on my work. So uh, I come to the office, sit a bit, try to read my emails and uh, answer Uh, what is there, provide data for people who ask it and try to put a to-do list of what I want, which really never ends during the day. But uh, mostly I have meetings with people because uh, you only learn more when you are together rather than when you are alone. So uh, you kind of minimize the risk that somebody would ask you questions that you don't have the answer to when you don't have meeting with other people who kind of have more ideas. So uh, the more like meeting with other scientists, the more ideas and the more effective at the end is, is your work. So I work uh, mainly with MATLAB. I do data analysis. I plot uh, the change of these particles in different environments in uh, kind of uh, under different conditions and so on. Uh,
0: yeah. And how does your data, you were you, you coding it and you, when you look at it? what's this famous plot that we keep looking at
2: uh-huh the banana plot yeah <laughs> <What>? so, so <laughs> what? our
0: uh, and this is used in conference science conference science it conferences the banana plot.
2: yes so our plots uh i hope i can provide you with one of these plots so that you can add yes, so the, yeah for okay. our uh, audience and uh it's a uh, it looks exactly like a banana so the, the this kind of secondary formation of particles also known as new particle formation when the particles are formed and they start growing it it takes. It has a banana shape, so when we have a regional regional new particle formation, uh, you would see a banana in the plots, and we kind of analyze bananas all day. So, mm-hmm. an answer to your question: What? How does my day look like? It's looks uh, like a banana. <laughs> <I agree>. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not a monkey, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: No, and definitely give us a, give us a, yeah. a plot so that we can link it in the in the description box. And now I guess it's time to thank you for this first introduction to your work, but now it's time for...
0: Cytagory.
1: <laughs> so we're going to play now, and we are going to have five categories. You're going to generate a random letter, and we have to fill the five categories with this uh, letter that you have generated. And we have two minutes to do each round, and we will have three rounds, and the categories for this uh, episode will be... Number one, stuff floating in the air, like aerosols, but also a lot of other stuff that is flying in the air. So Mm -hmm. we we can have a lot of, we can use a lot of creativity in this one. Mm -hmm. Number two, places with bad air quality. Number three, sources of air pollution. And now I've learned a lot because of you. So I'm very, I I think I can contribute a bit. Uh, Number four, consequences of climate change. Yeah. And then we have the fun category, number five. Weird food you have seen when you, when you travel for work. Yes. So like when you go for field trips or conferences, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have to travel around the world a lot as scientists. So weird food, which is probably, well, definitely it's not weird for the people of that the place, locals, but yeah. it's yeah. But for the locals, but it's, it's weird for us.
0: Okay, so Lubna, you can generate a random letter. Just click. And we get
1: H. H, ah. Oh. Oh. h i don't think we've
0: had, we've had h
1: anyway okay. maybe i don't know uh timer starts in three two one now h stuff floating in the air hummus oh. <laughs> um places with better quality helsinki has good air quality yes. so it's not yeah. good no no dang <laughs>
0: another, another city hong oh, kong Hon- hong, hong kong. kong oh okay hong kong is hong kong yeah? okay and Hungary, I'm there's hungry. some, uh, okay. some um, um, dust storms. Yeah.
2: Oh. Also, yeah. In general, any city is kind of bad not air quality. Bad,
0: yeah. so. But not that. Yeah. Sources of air pollution with H. Home home cooking. Exactly. Oh, oh! House cooking. House cooking, oh! cool. House vacuuming. <laughs> really? Vacuuming as yes. well? Oh. That's why you have these filters at the back of yeah, different filter levels. Oh. Mm-hmm. Vacuuming. Consequences
1: of climate change.
0: High temperature. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That, that, that one's the obvious one, but of course we added Skateri because there's more than just well, high temperature, but that's one. But
1: this is one that I said, so I'm yes, very proud of, course, of, of course. it. <laughs>
0: uh, weird food. And
1: so we are missing weird food and stuff floating in the air. Helicopters?
0: Well, <laughs> is it written with the, with with the, the H?
1: Hs. Yes, it's <laughs> yeah, okay. Yay.
0: What halogen I... halogen element. Halogens. Halogens. Okay, what are Halogens? Halogens, okay. yes. halogens. halogens. halogens yes. are I, like...
1: I will ask. I will ask first yeah. first halogens we have...
0: like Chlorine and fluorine and, and this kind of elements. Which are actually related to my anecdote that will come. Oh, this is good. Okay. It's, they are
2: emitted mainly from hair products, sprays and so on. Okay. Ah, yes. Okay. Now when we say food. food, weird food. <laughs> not hummus. <laughs> hummus. Hummus. Hummus is so good. good.
0: Yes. I love it. Uh, ha, ha, ha. heart, heart, heart. heart. Hearts, oh, ye. Hearts. Yeah. I've seen hearts, I, uh, right? The, the, I've eaten them when uh, I was small. Oh no, chicken hearts. Oh, my oh. mom would feed them. Yes. Okay. Yuck.
1: So we we are done,
0: and we had and of we had
1: three, two, one. Yeah. Awesome. We
0: finished it before the time. And we finished it. That's great. So cool. But yeah, this home cooking is a really big problem for indoor air quality. And vacuuming? No, explain me why the vacuuming is 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 uh, creating air pollution? Aren't you just Sucking Sucking stuff. Yeah, but uh, if you don't have a good filter, there the smallest ones can be thrown out again. Because you know, you know how the vacuum is throwing out the air in the backside. Yes. (laughs) Partying.
1: yeah but still but aren't you throwing back anyway only stuff
0: that is already in the air so I mean yes, you're not producing you... secondary no you're stuff. not but you're resuspending it so yeah. something that would have been already in the carpets for example you're bringing it up into the air and you're breathing it in because oh, you don't you don't sniff oh. your carpet right so what this thing does <laughs> is that it's throwing it what back do... in the air unless
1: you're woofy what... yeah, unless you're...
0: yeah my dog woofy <laughs>
1: what, what do you know about? what do I do what do I do in my <laughs> ah, sorry okay I'm normally
0: like... <laughs> people don't sniff their carpets <laughs> But this is also a big thing, actually, for also, uh, like, uh, one of our colleagues now in the States, he's looking at resuspension from carpets from babies crawling. Mm-hmm. So you have, he had a little baby robot, which looked really creepy because it was this aluminum baby robot. And he was crawling, and he was measuring how much uh, particles were brought back into the air mm-hmm. from his action of crawling. Oh, so wow. actually, carpets can be very dangerous for little kids because mm-hmm. they're inhaling all these particles.
2: When I started my PhD, I was actually working with a study... That we also published about whether in your office it's better to have a carpet or not. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, ha- if you have a carpet and you don't step on it, then it's it's good for you because it collects all this dust. But if you step on it every day, then you kind of collect all the dust and then resuspend it yeah. every time you you step on it.
0: So better not to have a carpet yeah. at the office, okay. Or have it somewhere that you're not stepping so much on it. Like, like a decoration carpet. Or on the wall, <laughs> yes. Or on the wall, that's true. Oh, that's true. They have this stick, uh, like in Finland, it's very common to have these uh, carpets on the wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's basically like taking, you know, this sponge, and then it's going, flip and then, uh-huh. or chalk, uh, chalk, choc- chalkboard. Choc- yeah, choc- yeah. Shall we round two? Yes. So please, the second letter.
1: R. R. It was going almost to J. I was yeah, like, no, no, please, not again. So not horrible again. letters. So let's start. Timer in three, two, one. 1. Now. Stuff floating in the yeah. air.
0: Rabbits. Radon.
1: <laughs> what? Rain <on> radon, yes. <laughs> radon. Rabbits? <laughs> rain. Oh, oh rain. rain and radon. Yes, rain. Uh, places with bad air quality.
0: Restrooms. Restrooms, yes. <laughs> Especially the guys' one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's scientific. I'm telling you. It's I'll tell scientific. you, you after. Okay, tell me yeah. after.
2: Restaurants? Restaurant kitchens?
0: Oh, yeah, restaurant kitchens. So,
1: basically, today we are are just saying a lot that cooking is bad for you.
0: (laughs) Actually, it is quite bad. Consequences of climate change. Rapidly melting glaciers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rapid melting. Rapid melting. Rapid melting.
1: And we have one episode about Mm -hmm.
2: melting glaciers. And also, like, rapid change between seasons. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just rapid. Actually the, the key thing of climate change is rapid. It's yeah, the way that things change you know, too quickly. Yeah. Too quickly. Too quick, yeah. Weird Everything. food rabbits. Ah uh, yeah, rabbits. Rabbit rabbit. Not weird.
2: It, it is. My mom used to make rabbits yeah, in Mexico. Every yeah. day. <laughs> like
1: not every day, but every week at least. Yeah. Okay, but it's weird for you. Okay. Yeah. So rabbits. It's what else would be weird? it's
2: just
0: we it's don't just judge. sad.
2: Sad,
1: the like bunnies.
2: T- exactly. If it's cute
1: rabbit, then we are talking to two vegetarians. So. Yes, actually, yes.
0: Rodents. Does anybody eat rats? Yeah. Oh, rats, yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so we are done again. Oh, wow, with half a second left. Half a second, alpha I mean, half a minute. I mean, a minute. We are doing so
0: amazing. So, yeah, start telling me about oh, the restrooms. About the
1: restrooms yes. So,
0: actually, this was during my master's, which I, I also did here in Helsinki. And we could take this portable... CPC, which is an instrument that Lumina was talking about that grows the particles, so you can count them. And we could, so it was portable. I could take it around. And I, of course, had to go to the girl's (laughs) toilet. And then I went to the guy's toilet and there was just a higher number of particles in the guy's toilet. So it's a scientific fact. I'm sorry. But I I witnessed it. It was my data. (laughs) (laughs) It was
1: your own data. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I believe you. We have the last round. The last round. We we have finished every both of them, right? Yes. Yeah. This is like super rounds. Yeah, and, and I was like, I not know, this is so the, the four ones are like super climate related yeah. things and it's gonna be very difficult, but mm-hmm. yeah, you, yeah, you you're very good.
2: <laughs> Lumina please. What? Yes.
1: Oh, no, Q. You you just ruined the potentially perfect site yes. area <laughs> with the letter Q.
0: <laughs> well, what if we manage? Let's well,
1: see. Let's see. Three, two, one, now. With you. Quail. Weird food. But is Quail. it, is it we- weird? Sure, why not? Is it weird? Uh, yeah, I is, think so.
0: Is it some sort of whale thing? Fish? It's like, what, no.
2: uh, oh, are there snails? Oh, yeah, yeah. Weird. No? That's
1: weird. No, but but they are not with Q. Wait, <laughs> what? Quail? I don't know. Isn't it quail sounds like isn't a, quail a bird? It sounds isn't like... quail a bird?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's I don't know. I, I
1: don't know what it is, but you, you just add it there. <laughs> <laughs> just put it there, okay. I don't even know to write it. I think like this. Yeah, yes. okay. Yes, I'm so good. Stuff floating in the
2: air. Stuff floating in the air. Quantum? Quartic? Quark. Quart. Quart? Quartz. Quartz, exactly. Quartz. Quartz. Yeah. Quartz. So they are the particles that are formed from uh, like construction and stuff? Written yes, like this? Quartz. Exactly. Oh. You know, you see
0: the crystals? Yeah. But like yeah. sand, is quartz. Quartz. Oh, okay. Places with, so with better quality. Quarton, what? Quality. Quality. Quality.
1: quality. What? What? <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking about, there must be some some city that starts with "ku."
2: No, not at the moment. <laughs>
0: Um, yes. places with bio- co- co-
2: no I was saying Qatar? It. I w- Qatar Qatar because it's a almost a desert area so there's a lot of kind of floating sand Qatar. sources of oil, air, air pollution mm-hmm. with Q sources oh, wow. of air pollution quail cooking <laughs> 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 only cooking today
1: the, what we learn from today don't never cook
0: never mm-hmm. cook or had really good ventilation.
2: Yeah, <laughs> consequences of climate change. With you,
0: quality,
2: quality ah, yeah.
1: of the air, quality, quality reduction.
0: Yeah, quality. also in the amount of species in the world yeah. and quality of, yeah, quality so, decrease in everything. Worse, yeah. Well, actually, there <laughs> are some, some places are are. Mm, it's good for them, but but overall quality. And
1: and oh no, we only have the sources. We only have the sources of, of air pollution. Unless you want to quail
2: cook, uh... quail cooking. Oh yeah, she
1: said quail cooking. So. Yeah, that's true. So we finished it. Hey, we managed <laughs> quail cooking. I love when we cheated this game. It's my
0: favorite. Or quinoa part. cooking. Quinoa. Yeah. Quinoa burning.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that th- that was very very very. Interesting <laughs> and successful. We succeeded. Awesome.
2: Um, no, I wonder, Yeah. Uh, can you can you comment a bit more about these quartz? Um, they are mainly particles formed from uh, silicon oxide. So I can also send you a picture of the particles that I took during my masters, which are uh, some of them like that come from the sand. You can see it like from either desert. So when I was studying particles during my master's, I was taking also pictures under the microscope, which is one of the kind of uh, very cool things to see. Because in general, if I tell you how it was, how do you expect a particle to look? What would you say? Uh, What do you expect? A particle? like How do you expect the shape of it? Round or... You you will be surprised when you see the pictures.
1: Okay. Or like probably something like flat on one side, but... but In but general... But that, uh, dif- like, uh, vari- variable shape, but flat, or, or you, super round? I don't uh, know, one of these you
2: will You will be very surprised. Yeah. But uh, quartz are like the silicates that are coming from, uh, for example, construction, or uh, sand, and so on, and they are, um, they are glass-like, as Stephanie said, they are glass-like particles. So... You will see the pictures and I would say you would be amazed because it's really unexpected.
1: Okay. And then can we put them also in the, oh, in the description ahead. box? Yes.
0: yes. Okay. Hey, so you can take a look at tiny little particles.
1: That's going to be very interesting. Yes. And then, and then I'm so waiting for the banana. Oh, yeah. The banana.
0: <laughs> yeah. So now we go on to the anecdote. Yes. Which and is... let's thank, thank our guest for the... For for now, for the interview, but we're for, not done yet. Yeah, but no, thank no, you, no. We're all explaining all this work that you're doing. It's it's really it's really nice that you can. I mean the the application of of the research that you're doing and how it's it's taking into consideration a lot of areas, but also it's really applicable to society. so it's, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. So the anecdote for today is the ozone hole. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I know that. We all have heard about the ozone hole depletion and that um, it's now getting better. But I want to talk about it because I still think it's um, the whole, the whole. I still wanted to talk about it because, uh, one, to talk why it happened, but also what we did about it, which I think is very important. So the ozone depletion. We have ozone in the atmosphere, like Luna said, and specifically around the stratosphere is where we have observed that there was a depletion. So we have this hole near the, uh, around Antarctica. And it was caused by the CFCs. So these chlorofluorocarbons, which are mostly uh, used in refrigerants, for example. So the thing was that there was a NASA scientist, Bartya, and he was looking at satellite data and looking at ozone, which we didn't really care about much because we thought, whatever, it's up, it's high up 25 kilometers up. Nobody cares. Well, not nobody cares, of course, that's where we're looking at it. But I mean, it, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then they started noticing that there was a that there that would be a minimum, a seasonal minimum, um, and they thought is this an instrumental error or like they didn't actually think it was real data that there was a hole. Um, so eventually, whether well, they kept looking at it, and around the same time, so at, at the end of the nineteen seventies, um, two scientists in the U.S. so Sherwood Rowland and, and then postdoc Mario Molina, they were looking at um, the effect of CFCs in uh in the stratosphere in the atmosphere and uh, their effect on ozone. Uh but you can actually see their paper. It's in Nature. It's a Nature paper from the 1970s. It's free access, so you can take a look at it. And they got the Nobel Prize in the 1990s because of it. So they they could see that the the CFCs which we were using um, as refrigerants because they are use, they're these inert gases, so they're not very reactive, uh, which is why we were applying them. Could then survive all the way up to really high altitudes in their atmosphere, and then they would react with the sun's UV. So the the thing about the ozone is that it's shielding us from the UV radiation, which can cause skin cancer. But this one was reacting with the CFCs, which would then kill off the ozone. So that was a big, you know, it was a big problem because we're saying we're going to get a hole and we're all gonna die because we're gonna be exposed to UV UVV. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, scientists were starting to say this is a problem. We're going to look more into it. But it, it, it when when in the nineteen nineteen eighty five around nineteen eighty four, uh, this NASA scientist, Batia, he uh, presented it in a conference saying like, look, this is this is a hu- suddenly it's just decreased so much. It's a really big issue. So that then the Montreal Protocol uh, with the UN was uh, came about where all these one hundred ninety seven nations. Uh, Decided that yes, we have to do something about these uh, chemicals to stop the the ozone hole from uh, continuing to grow, and they actually managed it. So this is an example of uh, international collaboration and policies taking effect based on science. And this is the interesting part. At least you know, I find it very interesting that they they had just observed this and they knew it was dangerous, but. With, with with quite certainty but you know it's this science that we know we can't say it's for sure this we're just highly certain which we can say now about climate change but back then they were like okay let's do something about it and they actually did the montreal protocol and they stopped it and now it's it's getting its healing yeah um and this is um i think this is a really great uh, way that scientists Brought their uh, research and said, "This is happening. We're still working on it, but it's serious. Do something about it." And policymakers saying, "Yes, this is serious. Let's do something about it." They did, and it's getting fixed. And we're still studying it. And this is what we should be doing with climate change. So this is why I wanted to bring up this up because it's 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 a really great example um, of science um, and scientists and society. society. Yes, yeah, yes. and that's that's um, yeah. That's why I was really excited to present this, and. Um, so it's mostly Antarctica because of the type of uh, because of the temperature and the type of clouds that you find in the polar regions. But it could have spread elsewhere had we not stopped it. Mm-hmm. So this ozone hole could have been you know in the other in the higher latitudes altitudes if if we if we hadn't stopped it. So um, so it's great that we did and uh, it's healing. So one of from one of the the Nobel uh winners uh, Sherwood Rowland, um, he has a quote which I would like to end with, and there's a nice interview about this which we can link as well so you can listen mm-hmm. to it of him talking about the whole process of finding it and what what was done about it and so on. But he has a quote that I will finish with, and he said uh, during a White House uh, climate change talk in 1997, he said, Is it enough for a scientist simply to publish a paper? Isn't it a responsibility of scientists if you believe that you have found something that can affect the environment to actually do something about it so that action actually takes place? What a nice quote. Yes. So that's how I would
1: went. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this story. And yeah, I, I heard before that the ozone layer is finally healing. So yeah. that's yeah, that, that's what that was actually yeah, a really nice example of how okay. we scientists can do something for for making the world better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's something that society also also became aware, and they said like, "Yeah, we're scared. Do something about it, you know." And this is this is how we should be working on towards with climate change.
1: I still don't understand why why it's so hard to to make like a big portion
0: of the society understand that climate change is real. Yeah, I think there's a lot of polit- politics. Like politics and uh, yeah. you know, economic reasons that people want to not like put off people and saying this is fake. <laughs> but that's why scientists should be more active in trying to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Lubna, for, for joining us and talking about atmospheric research. Um, I absolutely love your work and love working with you. So it was nice that you could be here.
2: Yeah, thank you for uh, interviewing me. And uh, thank you, Stephanie, because you are a big part of my knowledge and uh, you are a big part of my PhD. And uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, you're so
0: cute. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for this great episode to both of you. Now I feel like I know a lot more. Yeah, so aerosols are not just spray cans. Now you know it's anything no. that floats in the air like dust or pollen or, or little particles. I, yes. I mean, you can I mean, I mean, we have we have
1: named aerosols in so many episodes before and there was so much waiting for the aerosol episode and finally we have it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you all and and yeah, see you guys
0: in 2 weeks. So see was, you next time. Bye. Bye. This, is this science, science. Yeah.